It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Greetings, friends. How are you today on this, uh, if you listen to us live, the last day of April, right, Paul? Last day of April. Tomorrow is May 1st. Boy, the year is going by already. Almost halfway over. It's crazy what's going on with time. Uh it's it's time is speeding up. I've said it before in this program. It's just amazing how quick one day goes by, let alone weeks and months and years of our lives. Um, we could talk about that some other time. There's some really interesting scientific explanations about that, but we're not going to go in it now. How you doing, Paul? Doing good, Lou. Doing all right. Survived another week in this crazy world of ours. Oh yes. <laughs> It certainly is. <laughs> no uh, words to describe it, really. There is none. And you know what? It's only the beginning of uh, craziness uh, like uh, we've never seen before. We're going to touch on a lot of things today on today's program. We're going to talk about uh, good news. Uh, Biden decided to run again, so we're going to talk about that later in the program. Uh, Fox News commits suicide and uh, gets rid of their top-rated programs. Uh, we'll talk about that probably in the second hour of the program. Uh, lots to talk about. Uh, phone number here if you want to be part of the program, 732-237-9626 is the call-in number. All right, let's start off talking about another major banking collapse is happening uh, as we speak, and I'm talking about First Republic Bank, and we talked about this a few weeks ago. I told you it was coming. Uh, more banks are going to fail, uh, and this is a biggie. Uh, First Republic Bank is not a small bank. Uh, just a, a month or so ago, it had over $200 billion in deposits. Uh, now, if you live around here in New Jersey, we don't see First Republic Bank. It's not a big bank here. But, you know, in the rest of the country, especially the West Coast, uh, First Republic is a big deal. Uh, and it's in the middle of being seized by the FDIC and uh, looking to sell off the good assets to the big banks you know, it's always that way, right? The big banks will come in. J.P. Morgan will come in and take all the good deposits uh, and leave you and me, the taxpayer, and the FDIC with all the crap that's in the bank that made it fail. Um, it's just amazing how these big banks just swoop in and get bigger and bigger and bigger at the expense of the smaller banks. But this is a big story, and it's unfolding as we speak because we don't really know how it's going to play out. Uh, there was, I think, as much as $65 billion of uninsured deposits at First Republic Bank. Uh, is the FDIC going to insure that money, too? I mean, if you recall, when Silicon Valley Bank went under, uh, not only was the 250000 per account FDIC insured, they insured the entire deposits of Silicon Valley Bank because they were afraid that if they didn't, uh, there'll be systemic risk in the banking system. Uh, now, Janet Yellen went to Congress and said, well, you know, small banks, we're only going to insure 250000 but the two big-to-fail banks, we're going to insure all of it. 
Now, the question is, is First Republic Bank a too-big-to-fail bank? Uh, we'll see. Um, but the dominoes are falling, and this is the point I'm trying to make in this opening segment. Right? you got to be very careful where your money is. Because this is not just the be- this is just the beginning. This is not the end of the banking crisis, and they're getting bigger and bigger, and the numbers are getting bigger. And now the question is: Is there some kind of a contagion effect on this? Uh, and, and I would say there is. So, uh, First Republic Bank, after the failure of Silicon Valley Bank, uh, in mostly in in March and into April. So $100 billion, virtually half of their deposits flee the bank. And I guess you call that smart money. <laughs> Anybody who flee, you know, who had more than 250000 in that bank was smart to pull it out. Well, maybe not. Maybe the FDIC insures it all anyway, and it didn't really matter. But it wasn't long ago, uh, I think in February... When First Republic Bank, uh, it's well at the start of March, First Republic Bank shares were trading at one hundred and twenty dollars a share, and now it's trading close to a dollar twenty. Um, who's going to insure those shareholders who just lost their shirt? And it's gone. <laughs> it's all gone. Uh, bonds of First uh, Republic Bank uh, zero. Uh, now, there was some thought that maybe a bigger bank would come in and, and, and take it over. Uh, not happening. Uh, they were trying, the feds were trying to put together some kind of a buyout of it. And, you know, the, the, these banks aren't stupid. You know, they're not going to throw good money after bad. If you remember, during the crisis with First Republic Bank, I mean, uh, um, Silicon Valley Bank, uh, 11 of the biggest banks in the country ponied up $30 billion and deposited it with First Republic Bank to try to bail them out. And here we are a month later, and the bank's in receivership with FDIC. Now the question is, and I think we know the answer to this question, it just answers itself. Are these 11 banks insured over the $250,000 deposit limit? Well, there's the answer. Uh who do you think runs the Fed? J.P. Morgan, maybe? Uh, maybe Citibank? Uh, maybe Goldman Sachs? You think these these banks are going to allow themselves to lose $30 billion? We'll find out today. Later today or tomorrow morning, we'll find out how this is going to be unwound. The phone lines are burning up across the country uh, in the banking system. And the question now is who's next or how many are next because the dominoes are falling. And the reason why these banks are failing, let me try to keep it simple for you, all right? Just imagine that you have um, uh, $100 billion. It doesn't matter the number, but you use this as an example. You have $100 billion in deposits. So someone deposits that money in your bank. You got to do something with that money, right? You could do a number of things with it. You could lend it out in the form of mortgages and real estate loans and car loans and credit cards. You could take the money and invest it in bonds and get a higher return than you're paying the depositors. 
or you could squirrel it away over to the Federal Reserve uh, and have them pay you 5% on that money. But what a lot of banks did over the last few years, let's flash back a little over a year when interest rates were zero. Depositors were paid almost nothing, a fraction of a percent, right? So it was profitable for these banks to take that money and put it into 2% 20-year U.S. Treasury bond. But then interest rates started to go up as the Fed raised rates in the face of inflation, the first inflation that we've seen, at least to this extent, in 40 years. And what happens when interest rates go up? Bond prices drop. This is the fundamental rule of the bond market that people have to understand. Interest rate risk. There's two risks in the bond market. One is interest rate risk, meaning that if I have a 20-year bond paying 2%, and now a 20-year bond pays 5%. My 20-year bond that I paid ten grand for at 3% or 2% is worth less. Nobody's going to pay me $10,000 for a 20-year bond that's going to yield me 2% when they can buy a 20-year bond that'll pay them 5%. Well, maybe they'll give me 7000 for that bond. And that's what exactly happened in the bank. That's what's happening now across the world right now is that a lot of bonds, trillions and trillions of bonds that are yielding very low, or in Europe, how about this? The interest rate's negative on a lot of these bonds. You know, the average bond in Europe that had a negative rate a couple of years ago is down 47.5% in value right now. And who owns these assets? Banks, pension plans, insurance companies. And individuals and uh, hedge funds and investors around the world. So it's not the stock markets of the world that are important. It's the bond markets of the world. That is so much more important than the stock market. Because what is a bond? A bond is debt. The world is awash in debt. Whether it's a sovereign government, like the United States, 30 whatever, trillion in debt. We'll talk about the debt ceiling issue later on in the program. Uh, Or it is uh, individual families, or it is cities and states and local governments. The world is awash in debt. I think the last number I heard was $300 trillion in debt of all types around the world. And that debt's very sensitive to interest rates. So what we've seen over the last year in uh, the face of inflation is worldwide interest rates have gone up and uh, bonds and bonds that are related to mortgages and other loans have dropped tremendously in value. So if I'm a bank and I have $100 billion in deposits and I took that money and I put it in $100 billion of long dated low interest rate bonds and now those bonds are worth $60 billion, I'm insolvent. But I can get by for a while as long as everybody doesn't want their deposits back. I actually could still pay $60 billion in deposits before I go to zero. Uh, I'm in trouble, but I'm not insolvent yet. But what happened with, to use Silicon Valley as an example, or Signature Bank, or, or First Republic, or many, many others that we don't know about yet, they're seeing runs on their deposits as people are very concerned that now, you know, my, my deposits are at risk. And once that bank run starts, right, now this bank is in trouble. 
because as they liquidate their bonds at a loss, their equity is disappearing and they're becoming insolvent. And that's exactly what's happening in banking around the world, not only uh, here in the United States. So it's going to be interesting to see how this unwinds. And we'll find out either later today uh, or tomorrow morning before the markets open of how they're going to handle this. And, and the thing that's striking to me is how do we know if we have more than the, the FDIC insurance limit, how do I know which bank? Are they going to bail me out or are they not? Or are they going to pick and choose? Or should I put my money in a bigger bank because they're too big to fail? Uh, how do you pick and choose the winners and losers? Because, look, money, money is uh, it, it's a zero-sum game. There's a winner and a loser. If you have a lender and a borrower, one of them is going to pay. If you lend me uh, twenty grand, uh, either I'm going to pay you back that twenty grand, or you're going to eat the twenty grand. One of us is going to be the loser. And in many cases now, it's going to be the lender. As we see delinquencies going up and people starting to walk away from cars and other debt and credit card debt and all that other stuff. It's the lender, the banks that are the loser. And not only that, they're losing it on their securities and assets that they hold. And every mortgage that was written in the last 10 years is worth less than the face value of them. Because mortgages were written at 3 3 3.5%. They've been packaged into bonds. Now mortgage rates are closer to 7%. Every one of these mortgage bonds are down because of interest rate risk. That is a second risk to bonds. And that is default risk. All right, so you know, if I own a bond, it doesn't matter if it's a government bond, a corporate bond, a municipal bond. The first risk I have is interest rates going up. And if interest rates go up, the value of my bond goes down. The longer it takes for that bond to mature, the more it's dropping. Because it has a low yield locked into it for a very long time. If I have a bond that matures next year, it's not going to go down a lot if interest rates go up because it's going to mature in a year and I can reinvest the money at a higher yield. But if I have a bond that doesn't mature for 20 or 30 years, I'm locked into that low rate. So as interest rates go up, the value of that bond drops substantially. And the longer the maturity, the more it drops. And when um, investors, whether they're banks or hedge funds or insurance companies, were looking for yield, they had to lock in higher maturity bonds, longer maturity bonds. And that's why these banks have such trouble, because when interest rates were zero, 2% was fine. Another problem banks have now is they can't compete with rate. They can't raise your savings rates very much because they're not earning it on the bonds that they're holding, the mortgages that they're holding. And they'll guarantee their own bankruptcy if they start paying market rates to savers. And that's why we see another reason why we see outflow from banks. Competition for yield. You can go to a U.S. Treasury money market fund and and get four and a quarter percent right now. And not have to worry about a bank failure. Don't have to worry about FDIC insurance limits. 
I could have $10 million in a U.S. Treasury money market fund that I don't have to worry a bit and be compensated maybe 10 times the yield at the same time. And that's exacerbating the outflows of deposits from banks, especially riskier banks that are smaller. It's a perfect storm, really. So the second risk we have in the bond market, we have interest rate risk, and then we have default risk, which is the risk that we don't get paid back. If you had a $10,000 bond for First Republic Bank, it's worth zero today. That's default risk. It's one thing the value of a bond going down because interest rates go up. If you hold it to maturity and the, the company is still solvent, you'll get your ten grand back. may take you 20 years, but you'll still get it back. But if the, the company goes under or the bank goes under and you have a bond, it's done. You lose it all. Shareholders lose all their money. Bondholders lose all their money. Contractually, if you have 250000 or less in a bank, you'll get all your money back, so you won't lose that. But you're supposed to lose the amount over that. And this is where the moral hazard comes in, where the Fed comes in or the FDIC comes in or the Treasury comes in and says, you know, you have a million dollars in that bank. We're only supposed to insure 250000 but we're going to insure the whole amount because the system is, is shaky and we don't want to take a risk uh, that the, the banking system will totally go down. Well, what is it? Is it 250000 or are you going to tell me it's a million? Or it depends. It, it's variable. It depends on what the Fed feels like one day and what institution it is. How is that fair? How is that legal? That one bank can get totally bailed out, their depositors, but another bank, it's only 250000 Because if you feel that your bank is too small or, uh, or uh, small enough to fail, you're going to take your money and move it to a, a bank that's too big to fail, whether you know they'll cover all the deposits. And now we're having default risk. In, in that We have the perfect storm. We have interest rate risk that has hit the bond market. Interest rates going up and bonds going down, the natural law of order of the bond market. And now we have the concern about default risk. And we're mainly going to see it in um, mortgage bonds as people see their housing prices go down and they owe more on their mortgage than their house is worth. Uh, you're going to see foreclosures. You're going to see defaults in the mortgage market. So we'll have a significant default risk, very similar to what happened in 2008 with the subprime mortgage crisis. And now if you own financial services bonds, namely banks, uh, you know, you have the, the default risk there. And people are starting to get really, really concerned about what's going on. Now, uh, according to uh, some reports, Wall Street Journal saying that um, uh, some big banks, J.P. Morgan and PNC, are, are going to bid on First Republic Bank but not in a private negotiated deal between two parties. This is um, this is a deal of working with the government uh, to buy out the good assets of the bank. And who's going to be stuck with the bad assets of the bank? The taxpayers. Right, we're going to get all the bad stuff 
the FDIC is going to bail out the depositors. I mean, they only have $125 billion in the insurance fund. I wonder how much this is. This hit's going to hit them. Is it going to hit them for $65 billion because they're going to insure all the uninsured deposits too, as well as the insured ones? The question is, how much deposits were left in First Republic Bank Friday? I mean, the stock dropped 80% this week. You know, people could see this happening as the bonds are going to zero. You know, smart money knows, let me get my money the hell out of this bank. So I'm sure late last week, billions and billions of dollars were wired out of that bank, and that's what prompted the FDIC to step in. The question is, how much deposits are left to be even insured? But banks have till this afternoon to bid on the good assets of First Republic Bank, uh, and uh, we'll see what the FDIC is going to do with the remainder of the bank. Who are they going to insure? Are they going to go over the $250,000 limit? My guess is yes. And why? Because they illustrated it earlier. The 11 biggest banks in the country ponied up $30 billion last month in deposits to try to keep the, the bank liquid. Are they going to lose that money? <laughs> That's not going to happen. Uh, so I'm a betting man. I, I bet that every deposit in First Republic Bank will be insured. And it's going to be a major hit to FDIC. We'll see. Um, but this is not just a problem with First Republic Bank. It's a, repub- a problem in the banking system. And we're seeing uh, dramatic outflows across the banking system, uh, and it is continuing. And when you hear stories like this of a bank going under, it prompts more and more people to say, you know what? Why do I have my money in the bank? And I'm getting the phone calls. I'm getting the emails from you people. Is this bank good? Is that bank good? You know, trying to have me evaluate the bank. I don't know. Who knew just a couple of weeks ago that in two weeks, First Republic Bank would go under? These things happen so suddenly, right? Out of nowhere. You know, you you got a stock that's $120 on Monday, zero on Friday. So you can't take the chance. Most U.S. banks are technically insolvent. Hundreds. Many of the smaller banks are right now insolvent, and they're just dealing with the fact that hopefully uh, their depositors won't get uh, a whiff of that and want to take their money out. Because that's what kills the bank. The bank runs. Now, it used to be where bank runs were, you know, actually there was a line outside the bank. You know, we've all seen... um, you know, uh, the classic bank run uh, in, um, what was it? Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, right? You remember this? Here, did he guarantee this place? Well, no, Charlie, I didn't even ask him. We don't need Potter over here. I'll take mine now. No, but you're, 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 you're thinking of this place all wrong, as if I had the money back in a safe. The, the money's not here. Well, your money's in Joe's house. That's right next to yours. And in the Kennedy house, and Mrs. Maitland's house, and a hundred others. Uh, you're lending them 
them the money to build, and then they're going to pay it back to you as best they can. Now, what are you going to do, foreclose on them? I got $242 in here, and $242 isn't going to break anybody. Okay, Tom. All right. Here you are. You sign this. You get your money in 60 days. 60 days? Well, now, that's what you agreed to when you bought your shares. Tom, Tom, did you get your money? No. Well, I did. Old man Potter will pay 50 cents on the dollar for every share you've got. <laughs> yes, cash. Well, what do you say? Oh, Tom, you have to stick to your original agreement. Now, give us 60 days on this. Okay, Randall. Are you going to Potter's? Better to get half than nothing. So that's a bank run, uh, infamously illustrated uh, on It's a Wonderful Life. But it's no different today. It's just the manner of the bank run. The bank runs are the same. What does it mean? Pulling your money out. Now it's electronic. You don't have to line up outside the bank. You just go online and wire it to another institution and poof, it's gone. And that's what's happening at banks across the United States right now, especially the smaller banks. The money's being wired out. And a lot of it's going into money market funds. Uh, Some of it's going to the bigger banks. But like I said in previous shows, uh, is that it's like the little pigs where you go from a house of, of, of hay or straw uh, to a house of sticks. Yeah, it's slightly more, um, it's slightly stronger than a house of uh, straw. But still, when the wind comes, it's going down too. Now, I was early on this program a couple of years ago, maybe even longer. I've been saying that you should not have your life savings in a bank. Now, people say, well, Lou, you know, haven't the banks always been around? I mean, you know, what do you think? Times have changed. You can't believe that the past will be the future. We're in unusual times right now. We all know it. We all know something's wrong in so many different aspects of our lives. We know it. But I know it in the financial realm because I live it. And what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing is pretty, pretty scary stuff. And I'm just talking the financial end, not anything else. So here's a headline. Large and small U.S. banks uh, see deposit outflows continue. And uh, we're seeing a tremendous amount of inflows into U.S. money market funds as people are getting wise to what's going on in the banking system and realize that, hey, I can get a better return without worrying about this stuff. In the last, uh, we're a week delayed on this, but uh, large banks saw 2.43 billion outflows, small banks 7.94 billion in outflows. And meanwhile, inflows into money market accounts are, are skyrocketing. And um, it looks like small and and, and regional banks are starting to hit a critical level right now. And uh, you got to understand, First Republic Bank is not a small bank. It's a big bank. And now one of the biggest banks in the country is uh, insolvent and in receivership.
Uh, and this is in the face of a, 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 a collapsing economy. This is not going to end well. Now, what's amazing to me is how the financial markets are holding up with this. I mean, it's, it's bewildering to me. And it's actually scary because the markets are going to get religion at some point here. Uh, I'd rather see them gradually work their way down in bear market fashion. Uh, but something is going to crash this market. Maybe it's some tomorrow morning. Who knows? For the week, the Dow was up 0.86%. Still up uh, 2.87% for the year. S&P was up 0.87%. It's amazing the Dow and the S&P, one 100% difference in the return for the week. Uh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, S&P still up 5, 8.6% for the year. In the face of banking's collapses. Uh, incredible. Uh, the NASDAQ was up 1.28%, up 16.82% for the year. What a great year is going on in the stock market. Uh Good for them. Uh, that's going to end badly. <laughs> may start this week. I don't know. Uh, let's look at interest rates. The 10-year Treasury bond is yielding 3.42%. It's down a little bit this week uh, as the markets are looking for some kind of a safe haven. Uh, and there's some feeling now uh, that the Fed may be at the end of their interest rate cycle of higher, hiring interest, uh, raising interest rates. Fed meets this week, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Wednesday, they'll announce their change in policy. Uh, the market is predicting or forecasting uh, that they're going to raise interest rates one more time, a quarter of 1%. Although, with this crisis in the banking system and First Republic Bank tomorrow, uh, maybe maybe they don't. Maybe they're done. I don't know. Um but most people think they're going to raise it a quarter of a point and then stop or pause. And then as the economy starts cratering, uh, that they're going to have to lower rates later in the year. We'll see. But if the reason why these banks are failing is because their bond portfolios are down because the Fed raised interest rates last year, why would they continue to raise them and cause the banking system to continue to collapse unless that's what they want? That's the thing these days. You have, to under, you have to understand and you always have to ask yourself, as bad as something is, is that what they want? Whether it's vaccines and all the injuries and deaths that are being caused by them, you'd say, well, they'd stop it, right? No, no, they're still pushing them. Uh, is that what they want? I don't know. It looks like it. No peace negotiations in Ukraine. Uh, We're moving closer and closer to nuclear war. Is that what they want? I don't know. It seems more likely, right, that that's what they want. Otherwise, they do something different. Back to the markets. Uh, Oil, uh, 76.63 a barrel. Um, No big deal there. It's kind of hovering there. Gold uh, hanging around $2,000 an ounce. I find gold to be pretty resilient here. Uh, They keep pushing it back below $2,000. It keeps coming back. Uh, It's trading a lot different than I've seen it in the past. Uh, Typically, when it hits a a milestone like $2,000, it would drop $100, $150 shortly thereafter. Uh, We see quite resilience in the gold market. And why not? Why not? Who, Who would not want to hold 
gold and silver, something that's not tied to the U.S. dollar, that's nobody's liability, that you don't have to worry about failing on you. Central banks have been buying gold at record levels. If it's good enough for central banks, it's good enough for me. should be good enough for you. Dealers are telling me that they, they, they just can't believe the demand. It's just not stopping. And soon it's going to be very, very hard to source any metal. Uh, the U.S. dollar index, which we watch very closely, is 101.63. Uh, it's holding 100. Uh, if it breaks 100, I'd be very concerned. And, of course, every day, day doesn't go by that we don't hear about another country de-dollarizing, a term that we've never heard before recently. Here's another example. Here's a, hedge, uh, a headline. Nobody reported it this week. You probably didn't hear, hear about this. Argentina shuns the U.S. dollar, will pay for China imports in yuan. You hear about that, Paul? Argentina this week? Paul's with it. Paul, Paul knows everything. He's, he's, he's more informed than the average guy because most people I ask this, they, they'd say no. But Paul knows what's going on. Um, Argentina struck a deal with Beijing on Wednesday to stop using U.S. dollars to pay for Chinese imports and embrace the yuan instead. The measure, driven by Argentina's leftist president, Alberto Fernandez, is designed to relieve the South American country's dwindling dollar reserves. The deal further enhances China's rise on the world stage and the diminished role of the U.S. on a host of fronts under President Joe Biden. Joe, you're doing a great job there. You know, Joe, you should run again. <laughs> you should run again. Got to complete the job. What, what do you say? We got to finish the job. Finish the job of destroying the United States of America. Um, so this is just another example of countries getting away from the U.S. dollar. Also, China now is becoming quite influential in, in the Western Hemisphere, Central and South America. Argentina's government finalized a deal with Beijing soon after to construct a nuclear plant based on Chinese technology near Buenos Aires. The Chinese Communist Party will reportedly provide $8 billion in financing towards the project's $12 billion total budget. See how you get influence? You take your trade surplus with the United States and you take that money and you invest it in foreign countries that now you have influence over. So obviously they're going to be the majority owner of this nuclear power plant. And boy, don't they have Argentina by the short ones, right? What else is going on in financial markets? Oh, you know, we're talking about the debt ceiling. Uh, The House barely passed a debt ceiling bill uh, that would freeze uh, spending this year at 22 levels and then uh, only increase at 1% per year going forward. Uh, sounds like a reasonable thing to me. Uh, not to the Democrats, though. Not to Joe Biden. Uh-uh-uh. No way. Schumer said it's dead on arrival in the Senate. We will not pass this bill. So here we are again, an impasse on the debt ceiling. Biden said he, even if it went through the Senate, he'd veto it. So now what? The country can't borrow any money anymore. I mean, they Barring it from the pension funds and things like that in the government. But, you know, we're hitting the day of reckoning, and that may be early June. 
what happens then? Do we default? This is not going to be your typical debt ceiling debate as usual where last minute, you know, they come to an agreement. I don't think so. It doesn't look. Everybody's digging their heels in here. The Democrats and the president don't want any talk about fiscal responsibility. And the uh, the uh, Freedom Caucus in the House, the Republicans, are not going to pass anything without spending cuts of some kind, some kind of financial discipline. That's what they ran on. So it's going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out. Now, uh, people are starting to get really concerned about, is the U.S. going to default on its debt? And the insurance that it costs to insure U.S. Treasury bonds have skyrocketed. They're called credit default swaps. You know, if you have a bond uh, and you want to insure it, you, you buy insurance on that bond. It's called a derivative. It's called credit default swaps. That's what destroyed AIG back in the mortgage crisis because they insured all those bonds. But you could buy insurance. And typically for U.S. Treasuries, the, the insurance is almost nothing. But if you look at a chart of the credit default swap premiums, what it costs to insure U.S. debt, it's gone straight up. It's higher than it's ever been. As a matter of fact, it costs less to insure Mexican debt than it does U.S. debt right now. How about that? So that's a little concerning. And that we're playing with fire now because you you got countries lining up to get away from the U.S. dollar. And now we have this, this debt ceiling issue on top of a failing banking system. Talk about shooting yourself in the foot. And uh, this is a very, very important week going forward in, in, in financial markets. You got the Fed meeting this week. Um, first, you have what's going to happen with First Republic Bank. Uh, we'll know that by Monday morning. We'll see how that affects financial markets. Is it going to have an influence on the Federal Reserve? Is the Federal Reserve not going to raise rates this week because of uh, this problem? And as I said earlier, this problem is not just with the Federal uh, with First Republic Bank. It's in the banking system, and the Fed knows it. And we're going to see this week what other banks are going to come to the forefront in trouble. So we're at zero hour here, my friends. Uh, it's time to protect yourself. Uh, I would not have money in any bank that is over $250,000. And I see people all the time that have more than that in banks. Um. A lot of it's due to laziness. I've always been dealing with Santander Bank, so I got 500000 there. I'm not really worried about it. Well, take 250000 and put it in a different bank just to protect yourself. Again, we don't know if FDIC will ever insure over and above the 250000 You know, you can't gamble now with your life savings. Better yet, put it in a U.S. Treasury money market fund. Collect your 4.25%. It'll go to 4.5% if the Fed raises a quarter on Wednesday. And not worry about the solvency of my bank. Don't worry about FDIC anymore. Scary times. Truly scary times 
and it's just the beginning. And we've been warning about this on this program for a long time. Uh, and the time is short for you to protect yourself. All right, let's take a break. 732-237-9626 is the call number here at The Financial Physician. Don't go away. I'm Lou Scatigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician. Heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation, professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health, and most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday morning, 7 to 9 for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, registered investment advisory service to afford Advisory Group. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. If you're a small business, your expertise is taking care of customers. Our expertise is saving you time and money. We're the state's New Jersey Business Action Center. NJ Back. Get answers about government resources that can help you grow and thrive. From how to be a vendor with government to your business to finding capital. We've got your back at the back. Call us at 1-800-JERSEY-7. That's 1-800-JERSEY-7. This message sponsored by the New Jersey Business Action Center, the New Jersey Broadcasters Association, and this station. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. The following is a paid program. Views contained within do not necessarily reflect those of the staff management or sponsors of Town Square Media. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right, my name is Luz Katigna, certified financial planner and your money doctor each and every Sunday live right here on 92.7 WOBM. Here on the Jersey Shore, uh, or anytime, uh, many of you listen to the podcast. We're at thefinancialphysician.com. The show is up 9 a.m. Uh, let's say 9:10 a.m. Sunday morning Eastern Time. 
Paul gets it right up. So uh, if you want you to sleep late or you go to church or you, you don't want to listen to this program early on Sunday morning, you can listen to it anytime at thefinancialphysician.com where we have the two-hour podcast uh, of the program. Love your emails. You have something you want me to cover on the program or just a comment or a concern. You have your own personal finance issue that I could help you with. Uh, you could email me at lou at the financial physician.com, lou at the financial physician.com. So we opened the show talking about another bank failing, a big one this time, First Republic Bank. We still don't know how it's going to play out. We don't still don't know who's insured and who isn't insured, uh, whether it's 250000 whether it's going to be your entire bank balance there. But there's $65 billion, or at least estimated $65 billion of uninsured funds there. The question is, who's going to eat that? Is it going to be the depositors? Or is it going to be you and me as taxpayers? We'll see. I'm betting on you and me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not betting on these big institutional you know, money in, that's in this First Republic Bank. Uh, um, I guess it's going to be uh, how important is the depositors in any bank, whether the FDIC insures the whole shebang or just the 250000 My guess is if it's a bank that has mostly you and me in it, uh, they're not going to insure more than 250000 If it's a bank that has big financial interest and hedge funds and banks and, and everything else in it, uh, they'll all be insured. And by the way, you know, what does that mean? It means inflation. Because that money's got to be printed. You know, where does this money come from? <laughs> really? I mean, like I said, the FDIC has $125 billion. How much is that going to get hit on this bailout? Uh, what happens when it goes to zero? Well, it's going to be printed. All the money is going to be printed to bail out these banks. And God knows what else. And, uh, you know, we've seen this coming for some time. I've, since I've been doing this radio show, I started in 2000, 23 years ago. I've been talking about this stuff. I'm surprised it t- took 23 years to happen. There's something called logarithmic decay. What does that mean, logarithmic decay? Uh, logarithms, I, I don't want to get into it. It's a complicated mathematical thing, but... Um, it means that things happen gradually, and then all of a sudden, it starts picking up steam to the downside, and then just goes off a cliff. So if you look at a graph of it, uh, logarithmic decay basically looks like a horizontal line that slowly starts going down for a while, for a while. And eventually, the arc down would become steeper and steeper until it's a vertical line straight down. You know, Hem- uh, Ernest Hemingway, he famously described uh, going bankrupt in The Sun Also Rises, his book, The Sun Also Rises. He said, I went bankrupt gradually, then suddenly. <laughs> Isn't that the way it is uh, in our families, in government, in every way? Yeah, things start getting tight, and you could, you know, borrow from Peter to pay Paul, use some more credit card, and then all of a sudden, it's over. And this is true with the rise and fall of um, empires and superpowers. They rise and fall often on a logarithmic scale. 
uh, and you can use that with any empire. They gradually decline, and then they're done really fast. And you can go back in time. You can see it in Roman Empire any time. If you look at the Kingdom of France in the 1700s, it was very powerful. It fell gradually and then suddenly. And we're starting to see it here in the United States and in the West in general. We've seen a deterioration of, of, of the government's finances. It's been gradual. And now it's going straight up as we see our debt go through the roof, our deficits. Let's even, even go even further. How about social conflict? Censorship, which we'll talk about in the second hour. How about the decline in, in basic civility? And what about the confidence in the U.S. dollar? Again, gradually, then suddenly. We're at the sudden phase. And uh, very scary. And uh, we're at that time now where we can't just gradually do it anymore. And again, forget, forget, you know, the financial aspect of it. Think, think about all aspects of our life, how, how quickly things have been going downhill culturally. Whether we're talking this transgender craziness, uh, social justice, and all the craziness that's happening so quickly that you never thought was possible five years ago, ten years ago. And here we are, we're weeks away from... Um, Defaulting on our national debt. We're, 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 we're rudderless. We have no leadership. We have a president who shakes hands with air. Uh, we'll talk about him running again in a little while. But when he went, first of all, he put a slick video out announcing he's running at 7 in the morning, you know, on a Monday morning or whatever it was. Can't even come out to a podium and announce his candidacy because he couldn't do it. Scary stuff. But uh, our um, astute president uh, won't even negotiate a penny on spending cuts. Um, and here we are at the um, precipice. And the world is watching us. They're, in, they're watching us in utter disbelief about how incompetent the United States has become. And we're talking about, you know, the United States has always been respected, you know, it's, it's hallowed institutions, including the news media, big business and finance, and the U.S. government itself was always respected. Our power was respected financially, militarily. And now we're at that long, uh, logarithmic decay we were talking about. They've started losing confidence, and now it's going straight down. And a lot of that I put on Biden and his administration. Not him. He doesn't even know where he is. Whoever's got their hand up his back.
And, it, you know, is the outcome inevitable here? Uh, well, yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's a fact. Social Security trust fund is going to run out of money within 10 years, probably less. Then what? Again, logarithmic decay. Another big concern now that we have in the economy is um, credit crunch. Right now, financial institutions all over the country are getting really tight with their money. A, deposits are disappearing. So if you don't have deposits in your bank, you can't lend it out, right? So the source of loans, which is deposits, are fleeing the banking system. And as you hear going into tomorrow about First Republic Bank, it's going to spread to other banks. You know that it's going to happen. It's happening as we speak. It's always interesting how they always announce the bank seizure on Friday. It gives them the weekend to figure it out, right? Banks are closed Saturday and Sunday, right? Uh, at, at least uh, as far as uh, business goes, transactions. Um. But there's going to be a credit crunch. We're seeing it already. I mean, just due to the economy um, slowing down, delinquencies rising, it's hard to get a loan from a bank. There was an article in Zero Hedge about um, uh, a developer, a real estate developer, that needed another loan to continue developing his uh, building or whatever it was. And he said, uh, we spoke with over 100 banks, and not one would provide financing. Out of 100 banks, there wasn't one willing to take the risk in financing this development? That tells you a lot. But that shows you how the, the environment has changed. And at the same time, we're seeing economic numbers that are, are truly frightening and indicative of a recession. The Dallas Fed manufacturing survey dropped more than expected. It is now falling for 12 months in a row. I mean, 12 months of contraction, a substantial contraction. That's a, that's a recession, my friends. And everywhere you look, it looks like a major economic downturn is happening. Even Walmart is closing stores. Walmart's closing stores. Bed Bath & Beyond is bankrupt. Well, how did it work out for you getting rid of my pillow uh, because of political reasons? Another get woke, go broke situation. We'll talk about that in the second hour. Disney is laying off thousands of workers. Get woke, go broke. Um, we'll talk about Fox News in the second hour, too. Um, so there's going to be a credit crunch now where you can't get credit. And when you can't get credit, I mean, the world runs on credit. You need credit to buy a car. You can't get a car loan. What happens to uh, car sales? You can't get a mortgage. What happens to the real estate market? You can't borrow money as a corporation. How do you grow your business? The biggest companies in the United States are giving the ax to hundreds of thousands of workers. And every day we see... Um, more and more companies laying people off. And the Fed keeps raising interest rates. That's, that's interesting. Tyson Foods is going to eliminate 10% of their corporate jobs and 15% of their senior leadership roles. 
Lyft laying off 1,072 employees, roughly 26% of its corporate workforce. Deloitte, the accounting firm, is going to cut 1,200 jobs. The Gap will lay off 1,800 employees. Ernst & Young said Monday it would eliminate roughly 3,000 jobs. That's interesting. You have two accounting firms here, two big accounting firms laying off a lot of people. What does that tell you? These are corporate accounting firms. 3M, you know, the big company that uh, makes Post-it notes and scotch tape and all that kind of stuff. These are things that you would think would be recession-proof pretty much. Uh, It's going to lay off 6,000 staff around the world. That's in addition to 2,500 manufacturing jobs they eliminated in January. Uh, And it goes on and on. David's Bridal filing for bankruptcy. I guess less people get married. (laughs) Uh, You would think that that would be uh, recession resistant and you get married. Maybe people are just getting married cheap now. It's too expensive to get married, at least with a big wedding these days, right? Put on your, your, your nicest dress and... Just go and have a ceremony and then have a, a party in the backyard, maybe. Dropbox, laying off 16% of its global workforce. Red Hat, uh, laying off 4% of their global workforce. Open Door, cutting 560 jobs or 22% of the workforce. Well, First Republic Bank, well, everybody's going to lose their jobs there. We can go without that. Walmart's laying off 2,000 workers at five U.S. warehouses. What's that telling you? Even Walmart is seeing sales drop. Now, Walmart caters to the middle to lower class. Even they're cutting back their spending at Walmart. Amazon. God, this is one of the biggest companies in the world, right? Laying off 9,000 staff. Wow. That's a big retail establishment. Disney's laying off several thousand workers across the company. According to Challenger Gray and Christmas, which is a company that monitors the labor force, during the first three months of the year, job cuts in the United States were 400% higher than they were during a period a year ago. That can't be good. But if you're in tech, it was especially bad there. They announced 102,000 cuts so far in 2023. That's only an increase of 38,487% over last year. So this is not just a minor shift here in the labor force. This is, this is a collapse. Meanwhile, the Biden administration keeps coming out and saying 500,000 jobs are created. Uh, the unemployment rate's 3 point nothing percent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen Walmart announce they're closing 20 retail locations across the country. And that's probably just the beginning. And we can go on and on. There's so much uh, stuff here that more U.S. consumers fall behind on credit card and loan payments, the banks say. Again, default risk. Uh, we're going to see more and more of that. Uh UPS, United uh, Parcel Service, stock suffers the biggest sell-off in 17 years as volumes were significantly lower than expected in March. People aren't buying stuff, so they don't need to ship it, right? 
Yeah, Amazon's laying off people, so Amazon isn't using UPS to ship you a box that you didn't buy. First quarter GDP came in uh, lower than expected, 1.1% yes, uh, this uh, past week it was announced. The first quarter grew at 1%. That's after a 2% plus uh, fourth quarter. Uh, everybody was expecting about a 2% growth in the first quarter. Uh, expect the second quarter to be negative. I do anyway with all this stuff going on. And the Fed meets this week, and we'll probably raise interest rates again. We'll see. All right, top of the hour. Phone number here is 732-237-9626. My name is Lou Skatigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. All right, time for hour two of our two-hour program here on The Financial Physician, where we talk money, markets, politics, and anything that affects your life. Now more than ever, you don't want to miss a minute of The Financial Physician, and you don't have to because the entire program is available by podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. If you just go there, you, you'll you see a tab at the top that says radio show. Click on it and click on the most recent program, and voila, there you have the entire two-hour program. It'll be up 10 minutes after the show is over, and uh, appreciate all your podcast listeners. Uh, appreciate you sharing it, and uh, the downloads of the show are just growing each and every week. Really do appreciate that. That's thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, um, you want to send me an email, you got a question or something you want me to cover on the program or just a comment, be nice. Um, Lou at the financial physician, uh, dot com. Now, uh, I bonds, they change interest rates on November 1st and, uh, May 1st, May 1st is tomorrow, but I have an advanced copy of what interest rates are going to be on the I bonds. So, uh, give you a heads up here. I bonds are going to yield 4.3% for the next six months. Now, that's down from uh, something like 6.7 to 6.89%. And that's down from 9.7-something percent six months before that. So, obviously, we have a rapid decline of uh, interest on the I-bonds. And that's the thing about I-bonds. Every six months, the interest changes. So, it's not like you're locking in a yield for a long time. You know, it's all based on the inflation rate. And uh, we're starting to see the rate of inflation decline. We're not seeing inflation decline. We're just seeing the rate of growth of inflation slowing down. Uh, so uh, you're going to see the yield go down. Now, I-bonds are composed of two interest rates. There's something called the fixed rate, which stays for 30 years on the bond, and then you have the inflation rate that's tacked on. Now, one good thing about the I-bonds now coming out after May, May 1st is that they have a fixed rate of 
almost 1%. So they're going to pay at least that forever, all right, for at least 30 years anyway, uh, which is higher than the 0% that we've seen for, for many, many years. Um, and then you have the inflation component tagged on on top of that. Um, are they a good buy? Not as, as attractive as they were at higher rates. Um, and if we go into recession here, um, uh, which I think we're going to, um, we're going to see the inflation rate drop even more, uh, at which point the I-bonds will go back to being a very unattractive investment. But at least for a year, year and a half, they've been pretty good. Tomorrow, uh, it looks like if you have good credit and you want to get a mortgage, you're going to be penalized. And if you have bad credit, you're going to be rewarded. <laughs> Only in an insane world, uh, the insane world that we live in now, can you, you see this happen. Uh, so what do you mean, Lou? Well, the Biden administration, through uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, uh, which insure almost all mortgages these days, or at least half of them, uh, uh, people with higher credit scores are going to have to pay a higher initial fee. Now, this is not interest rates on the mortgage. This is not the payments you're going to pay. Uh, a lot of people have confusion about that. It's not that. It's the fees to uh, initiate the loan. Now, typically, you know, you have to pay a higher fee if your credit uh, uh, score is low. It makes a lot of sense, right? The fees, which are called loan level price adjustments, LLPAs, are a percentage of the home loan amount and based on factors such as your credit score and your down payment. Um, the FH, the Federal Housing Administration, said changes are part of its broader goal to, quote, create a more resilient housing finance system and ensure equitable access to mortgages for more home buyers. There's that word again, equitable. The E in DE training, right? Equitable. Not equal, equitable. So people who have poor credit scores don't pay their bills. We got to make it equitable for them. So people who do pay their bills and have good credit scores are going to pay higher fees and they're going to pay lower fees. But it doesn't change the mortgage payment. And that's what the media is trying to tell you. And, and you know what? They say uh, people with high credit scores still pay low, lower fees then people would higher uh, lower credit scores higher credit scores pay lower fees and but not as less here's an example let's say two people are buying the same home they're going to put 20% down and they're going to get a $300,000 mortgage right typical transaction these days right uh if you have a credit score of 746 that's the average Fannie Mae loan, the credit score is 746, right? You're going to go from paying um, a half of 1% to 0.875%. So on this $300,000 mortgage, you're going to pay $900 more at closing because of this change. Now, the old rules, if you had a 640 credit score or lower, you had to pay 3% of the loan. That's dropping to 2.25%. So your fees, if you have a lower credit score, is going to drop by $2,900. And the good credit score is going to go up by $900. Does that sound right to you? Does that make sense? So because I have a good credit score, I save my money, I pay down my debt on time, I have to pay your fees? 
only in current times, this insanity that we're living in, is that make any sense at all. How could it be legal? I don't know. I guess there'll be legal challenges to this. Now, check this out. If you only put down 3%, you know, and, and many loans nowadays, you know, if you get them through Fannie Mae, the minimum is 3%. So if you put down 3%, if you have a good credit score, your, your fees are dropping. And if you have a bad credit score, it's dropping even more, which makes no sense to me. But if you put 3% down, the old rules, if you had a good credit rating, was three quarters of 1% was your fee. That's dropping to a half of 1%. So you're going to save $700. If you have a bad credit score, it used to be 2.75% with 3% down. That's dropping to 1.5%. So your fees are lowered $3,700. So isn't this encouraging people to put down less money and to pay less fees at closing? Uh, insanity is being normalized, my friends. Uh, that that's that's the theme, I guess. Insanity is being normalized. So, uh, Joe Biden um, has done such a good job with the country. Uh, he wants four more years to do a more of the same, which is to finish. What is a finish the job? Uh, he's done such a great job. We need to finish it. Um, and he is so capable of this. Uh, I can't think of anybody more cognitive and, 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 and more astute and capable of being president of the United States and representing the Democratic Party uh, than um, Joe Biden. Now, did he come out uh, and give a, a speech and announce his uh, a candidacy kind of like uh, Donald Trump did? Where he spent almost an hour telling you why he's running? No, with the Biden, what Biden did, they can't bring him out and have him talk and put two sentences together. So, you know, they they put together some highly polished, uh, almost three minute video announcing his candidacy, uh, and this is what he had to say: Personal freedom is fundamental to who we are as Americans. There's nothing more important. Nothing more sacred. That's been the work of my first term, to fight for our democracy. It shouldn't be a revolution. To protect our rights, to make sure that everyone in this country is treated equally, and that everyone is given a fair shot at making it. But you know, around the country, MAGA extremists are lining up to take on those bedrock freedoms. Cutting Social Security that you pay for your entire life while cutting taxes from the very wealthy, dictating what health care decisions women can make, banning books and telling people who they can love, all while making it more difficult for you to be able to vote. When I ran for president four years ago, I said we're in a battle for the soul of America, and we still are. The question we're facing is whether in the years ahead, we have more freedom or less freedom, more rights or fewer. I know what I want the answer to be, and I think you do too. This is not a time to be complacent. That's why I'm running for re-election. Because I know America. I know we're good and decent people. I know we're still a country that believes in honesty and respect and treating each other with dignity. 
that we're a nation where we give hate no safe harbor. We believe that everyone is equal, that everyone should be given a fair shot to succeed in this country. Thank you. Cheers, Thank you. Every generation of Americans have faced a moment when they have to defend democracy. Stand up for our personal freedom. Stand up for the right to vote and our civil rights. And this is our moment. Uh, that's all I could take. <laughs> I can't take any more of it. How many months did it take to put that together? Get him to speak a uh, coherent sentence. Uh, take number 53, Joey. Let's do this one more time. Uh, how 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 disappointing is it that we have to have a produced video to announce his reelection, where he can't go out there and do a speech? Now, I didn't listen to this whole video. I didn't watch it until yesterday. I just couldn't bring myself to endure it. Um, the three minutes, and I even had to stop here. I didn't finish it. But they're going to say, yeah, let's, let's take this apart. You know, what, what he said there. He wants to uh, protect our freedoms. How about freedom of speech? <laughs> That's been taken away from us through censorship, uh, through big tech and government collusion on censorship of opposing political views. Uh, are you kidding me? How about freedom? To own a gun? They're trying to take that away. It's unbelievable. How about freedom to have my own cash and not have digital currencies that are going to control me? He goes on to say that, you know, it's it's about the soul of the nation. Yeah, there is a battle for the soul of the nation. It's a battle of evil and good. It's a battle of God and the devil. And what side do you think his party is on? Yeah, there is a battle for the soul of the nation, and, and and unfortunately, his side is winning. But good will win in the end, I believe. Unbelievable uh, what's going on. Yeah, we, we, we want more freedom, not less freedom, he says. And I, I can go on and on with things he was saying about MAGA Republicans. They showed the, the, the Capitol, all the people in there. It's about our democracy. And watch out for those ultra-MAGA Republicans that want fiscal responsibility, who want to tell you who you can marry and tell women what they could do with their bodies. Um, and who... <laughs> Unbelievable. Um... So it's the same old stuff. Oh, oh! by the way, Republicans want to take away your Social Security. The same old story. No, no Republican wants to take away your Social Security. Uh, but every election cycle, they do it. Uh, they want to throw granny over the cliff. It just never ends. I mean, go back 20 years. It's the same, same playbook. Lower taxes for the rich. Kill your Social Security and Medicare. Take away your freedoms. Take away your ability to do what you want with your body, including having an abortion the day of birth. Um, unbelievable. Um, now, what's most unbelievable about this is that the Democratic Party has nobody else. They've decided that this is the best route to take. 
is to run this guy again. Now, this time, he has a a track record to run against. I mean, last time, they just hit him in the basement, and, you know, there was nothing to run against, uh, except that he was in, in, in the Senate for 40 years. Now, 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 now there's uh, something to run against, uh, and none of it good. How about immigration? Oh, by the way, you hear, you hear what he's doing now? They're going to send uh, Army reservists to the border. Uh, to start protect. Where, where was this two years ago? Uh, oh, it's election year next year. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, it's amazing how many Democratic voters have said they would prefer he doesn't run because of his age. It's not his age. You could be ten years younger if you have Alzheimer's. Doesn't matter what age you are. Just unbelievable that this is the A team, him and Kamala. Oh, you remember he said too. You want to limit your the Republicans want to limit your voting rights. Get out of here! They don't want you to be able to mail in millions of ballots and steal an election. But that's again your access to voting. You know, it's about suppressing black people from voting. Same old story that they've always said. Same thing they were saying during during the sixties. There was problem with voting in those days. Not now. Oh, and they want to ban books too. The Republicans are banning books. No, they just don't want pornographic books, uh, you know, in the library for third graders. But they're banning books. Meanwhile, uh, they're banning any conservative on YouTube. Uh, we'll get to Fox News in a second. So this is their A-team. I guess they feel that, they must feel that their um, voter fraud system is just so good that they could get away running him and still win. 70% of Americans don't want him to run again for president. And he's going to win? If he does win, that tells you everything you need to know, right? He's got the lowest approval rating of any sitting president since Jimmy Carter. Uh, you, see, you saw what happened to Jimmy Carter when he ran against Reagan with the same approval rating, if not not better. Uh, and watch, Obama, Biden will, I said Obama, how's that for a slip? Uh, Biden will get uh, probably the most record votes ever happened for a president um, and win handily, or at least in the middle of the night. He'll overcome millions of votes. So he does a press conference. Uh, he meets, A, with the president, I think it was South Korea, and, and, and he comes out, uh, and he has a cheat sheet. He can't even say what they talked about, right? He has a cheat sheet that talks about what they talked about. He can't even remember what he talked about. And then he does a press conference, right? And he has a cheat sheet, and you can see it plainly. There's a picture of it. Someone took a picture of a, a reporter. It says, question number one. It says, reporter, question and answer. Question number one, Courtney Subramanian. And they, they, they phonetically spell her name. And there's the question that she's going to ask him on the card with her picture. What the heck is that? Never before in the history, uh, journalists were saying they've never seen anything like that before. 
And what journalist or journal uh, organization, this is the, the Los Angeles Times, allows the president to get the question ahead of time so he can formulate an answer? What's happened to journalism in this country? They're in the tank. They're supposed to be out there questioning the president and government. And, uh, of course, Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre, she comes out when she's confronted with this. She goes, it's entirely normal for a president to be briefed on reporters who will be asking questions at a press conference and issues we expect they might ask about. That is true. You talk about that behind the scenes. You don't give them a cheat sheet on who to call and what the question is going to be ahead of time. It's just just crazy. I mean, this is, you know, this is not funny anymore. And then she goes on to say that the information on the card was different from the question that was asked. We do not have specific questions in advance. That's not something we do. Uh, well, then it, what is that in his hand? If he didn't get it in advance, is it magic? It just so happens out of the out of, out of his hand, he just pops up a card with a picture of the reporter and the exact question she's going to ask, and that's question number one to call on her. They just lie to you. She comes right out and says, no, we don't, we don't get the questions in advance. It's right there. That's what they say. They lie right to your face. No, it's not. No, it's not. Well, I have it right here. No, it's not. <laughs> just, the border is secure. No, it's not. Oh, yeah, the border is secure. Mayorkas, every time he's asked that. Yeah, the border is secure. No, it's not. I just got the video here. Look at them all walking across. Six million. Oh, God. 67% of voters believe Biden's too old to be president, and 56% have doubts about his mental fitness. It doesn't matter, though. This is the United States of America, the most powerful country in the world, at least it used to be. And this is who we're running. The rest of the world laughs at us. I didn't record it, but I, I was listening to, to Sky News in Australia. They just laugh at us and him. I mean, uh, you know, they tell us about Biden's stamina, you know. I just for, you know, But they always say, you know, they always use a caveat for his age. And uh, the previous press secretary, Peppermint Patty, remember her? Uh, she says that um, Biden does not like to hold private events outside of the hours of 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. You know, he's just not available in the morning <laughs> or at night or on weekends. Um, he's only held four public events before 10 a.m. And just a dozen public events after 6 p.m. And most of those were dinners and receptions for foreign leaders where he really doesn't have to do much. Um, and he's had 12 full weekends without a public event. And his popularity level is at an all-time low. Three-quarters of the United States adult residents believe Biden's America is out of control. Majority of Americans believe the nation is heading on the wrong track. 70% of Americans feel financially stressed in Biden's America. Fewer within a quarter of Democrats feel excited about Biden's 2024 campaign for re-election. 
and only 39% of Americans approve of Biden, down three points since March. And that's not even close. It's more like 10%. Um, but the fact that they chose to run him tells you a lot. Um, it really does. All right, on Monday, uh, to uh, many people's astonishment, uh, it was announced by Fox News that Tucker Carlson uh, uh, is no longer going to have his show, the top-rated cable news show of all time, of all time, is being canceled uh, by Fox News. Uh, this is this is insanity. This this is really shows you how crazy and woke the world has gotten, and. Why was he let go? Why, why do you get rid of your biggest moneymaker? Because he tells the truth. And you're not allowed to tell the truth in this country. Don't you know that? Right? He's not afraid to take on the things that the mainstream media will not talk about. And by getting rid of, getting rid of him, I mean, they just dumped him. It, it just shows contempt. Great contempt for him, but also for everybody who follows Fox News. I turned it off. I'm done with Fox News, and so is a lot of other people. They've lost 50% of their viewership so far. 50%. And I don't know how many subscribers to Fox Nation, which is this subscription internet service. Uh, I cancel my subscription immediately. And I've been reading that thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people have done that. And uh, unless Fox News, you know, gives Tucker his job back and and gives us a a groveling apology, I'm never going to watch Fox News again. And so are a lot of other people. Meanwhile, Newsmax, their ratings are skyrocketing. This is corporate suicide. And it's just, oh, by the way, uh, the stock of Fox News Corp dropped a billion dollars this week. Shareholders lost a billion dollars in market value. If I'm a shareholder of Fox News Corp, I would be part of a class action lawsuit against this company. How do you, your job is not to to be woke. Your job is not to censor the news. Your job is to make me money. That is your fiduciary responsibility as a company. By destroying your largest product lines, you were doing harm to the shareholders. And that is, that is certainly worthy of a class action lawsuit. Companies get sued because they miss their earnings forecast. How about purposely destroying your business? They should be sued for billions of dollars. And by the way, also, they also got rid of uh, Dan Bongino. The number one weekend show they had. Is this not insane? What company destroys their business? For what? Wokeism? Because now you want to be part of the the legacy mainstream media? 
Now, of course, the left were celebrating this. They thought this is the greatest thing. Censorship is fine as long as you censorship conservatives. You know, as long as you censor conservatives. Uh, It's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Um, uh, But conservatives all over the country are just absolutely horrified over this. I mean, just people I know that I talk to, but just some prominent people. Judge Andrew Napolitano, you remember him? He was let go a while ago. for What was he questioning? I forgot. He was bringing it up. But, you know, something you're not supposed to talk about. Oh, it was the election, I think. Uh, questioning the validity of the 2020 election. Can't do that, you see, because that's not the narrative. So he went on. This was his quote. This is like the 1927 Yankees firing Babe Ruth because of his terrible, his, his bad table manners. I don't get it. <laughs> right? Uh, Glenn Beck, you know, could be that he was fired because of, you know, they just paid out, you know, almost a billion dollars and they don't want any chance of anything, but that's suicidal. By the way, a week before, they paid almost a billion dollars to settle the Dominion voting machine uh, case. Um, Steve Bannon came out and said, no one should watch Fox. Just take the clicker and cut it off. They hate you. They disrespect you. A long-term, uh, long-time Fox insider who spoke on condition of anonymity said, and I can't repeat his very colorful language, that this decision by Fox management was, well, staggering, mind-numbingly dumb. If the executives of Fox News are absolutely determined to destroy the company, this is a great way to do it. And uh, people are fleeing Fox. This is crazy. Oh, and from what I hear, um, they didn't really fire him. He's still under contract with Fox. He just doesn't have a show. So he can't go somewhere else until he negotiates his exit from Fox News. Some people are speculating that, well, they're just going to keep him to the end of his contract, which is the end of 2024, and keep him off the air to prevent Donald Trump from having an advocate on the air. Wouldn't that be insidious? Wouldn't that be election interference, right? Uh, Just pay the guy to do nothing. I don't think that's going to happen. So uh, after a couple of days of silence, and he's still being silent about what happened there. Um, I guess that's because he's trying to negotiate um, his way out of this and he doesn't want to ruffle, you know, any feathers right now. He's just being quiet about it. But he came out on Twitter after a couple of days and he did a video, Tucker, and he talked about media control and how the country is just one party uh, he didn't talk about Fox himself, but listen to what he had to say. Like, I've spent my whole life in the media. My dad was in the media. Like, that is a big part of the revelation that's changed my life is the media are part of the control apparatus. Like, there's no... Yeah, I know, I know. Because you're younger and smarter and you're like, yeah. Yeah. But what if you're me and you spent your whole life in that world? And to look around and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow. Not only are they part of the problem, but I spent most of my life being part of the problem, defending the Iraq war. Like, I actually did that. Can you mentioned you did that? Well, what do you think? So, what is one of your biggest regrets in your career? Oh, defending the Iraq war. That is it? Well, I've had a million regrets. Not being more skeptical, 
Well, he goes on. That's not what he did on Twitter. This is something else. This is an interview he did last week prior to getting fired. Um, uh, I'm not going to run that whole thing. Uh, but he did go on on um, on Twitter and do a three or four minute monologue about uh, the media and uh, the mainstream media and control of, of the narrative and one party and everything else. Uh, I don't have that uh, that audio. Uh, but I think it's had so far 71 million views. 71 million views. Uh, what does that tell you about the power of a Tucker Carson? Um, and, and where he winds up will be interesting. See, nowadays, you could just, you don't need to have a national TV show anymore. Everything's internet. Look at Glenn Beck, what he's done with Blaze TV, right? He's got his own network. And he's invited Tucker over there. I said, "Come on, we'll be we'll be a great team together. We'll destroy them." Uh, you don't need to have it. Look at Joe Rogan podcast, right? He doesn't even have a radio show. He's got a podcast that millions of people listen to. Right? You don't need mainstream media anymore. It's dying, and it's dying of self inflicted wound. The mainstream media. Because they're no longer a journalist. They're advocacy groups. They're propaganda. Um, and we really do have a battle going on here. Uh, you know, Biden says there's a battle for the soul of America. Yeah, it's a battle. Uh, and people come up to me and they tell me, Lou, it looks like, you know, there's a battle of good versus evil in the world. Oh, yes, there is. It's exactly what's happening. Um, and you're seeing it in every aspect of society. Evil. Late-term abortions. Gender dystopia and uh, surgery and hormone therapy for young kids. Drag queen shows for little kids. I mean, we can go on and on about what's happening here. There is a battle for the soul of, of the world. And we certainly know what side the Democrats are on. It's terrible. All right, let's take a short break. My name's Lou Scatigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. I'm Lou Scatigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician. Heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health and, most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday morning, 7 to 9, for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin & Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, registered investment advisory service to move 
Fortitude Advisory Group. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. If you're a small business, your expertise is taking care of customers. Our expertise is saving you time and money. We're the state's New Jersey Business Action Center. NJ Back. Get answers about government resources that can help you grow and thrive. From how to be a vendor with government to your business to finding capital. We've got your back at the back. Call us at 1-800-JERSEY-7. That's 1-800-JERSEY-7. This message sponsored by the New Jersey Business Action Center, the New Jersey Broadcasters Association, and this station. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. The following is a paid program. Views contained within do not necessarily reflect those of the staff management or sponsors of Town Square Media. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right. Welcome back to the financial physician where for at least two hours each week we try to bring sanity to an insane world. Uh, and insane we are. A matter of fact, insanity has become the norm now, uh, and you'll you'll realize that in the next couple of stories I'm going to tell you about. Uh, there's no shortage of insane stories, uh, things that are going on in our world that would simply make you go, huh, or make you go, that's totally impossible. Even five years ago, you would say, no, that's, that's insane. That, that would not be happening for real. And... Uh, Good that part of that is this crazy transgender thing that we're all living through that's being shoved down our throat every single day. It's like the main news on everything is, is transgenderism and misgendering and transgenocide. I mean, these people are nuts. At least as a glimmer of sanity in California, teachers from a California middle school are suing officials in their school district in federal court over policies, they say force them to conceal the transgender status of young students from their parents. You know, in this school district, you can't tell a parent if you're trans if you're you're transitioning their kid. Uh, it's true. Um, so uh, some of these teachers, boy, they, they they've got to be pretty brave to do this. Uh, uh, they have a lawsuit against the school district. Um, uh, and uh, it says here, uh, the policies of the school district require teachers to assist in a student's transgender, quote-unquote, social transition 
By accepting a child's assertion of a transgender or gender diverse identity and use, using during school hours any pronouns or a gender specific name requested by the student. So if the student is named Lou Scatigna and wants to be called Lois Scatigna, they have to call you Lois. Um, and uh, you just have to accept that. And if you want, I want to be called she, not he. You have to call him she. You have no choice. At the same time, the policies also require teachers to revert to biological pronouns and legal names when speaking with parents in order to cover up information about the child's purported gender identity from the child's parents. All of this is done without parent, a parent or guardian agreement or knowledge. Interesting. Um, and if a child... Um, as soon as a student says that they think that they may be uh, non-binary, you have to, the teachers immediately have to begin to treat the student according to their assent, uh, asserted gender identity. There's absolutely no room for discussion, polite disagreement, or even questioning whether the child is sincere or acting on a whim. Once a child's social transitioning has begun, Elementary and middle school teachers must ensure that the parents do not find out. So when you send a note back, you can't say, well, Lois is uh, uh, not doing so good in school. You have to use their proper name. Okay, you got to conceal it so they don't know. The district's policy state that revealing a student's transgender status to individuals who do not have a legitimate need for this information without the student's consent is prohibited and parents or caretakers are, according to the district, individuals who do not have a legitimate need for that information, irrespective of the age of the student or the specific facts of the situation. Unbelievable. Why anybody would send the kids to a public school, I have no idea. Or college, for that matter. Ridiculous. All right, so as, as, as insane... Again, insanity is becoming normalized. Uh, as insane as that sounds, what they're doing to our children, <laughs> this is really insane. Okay? If you don't call this insanity, then you're insane yourself. Paul, have you heard, heard of trans-ableism? A little bit. <laughs> trans-ableism. How about my friends out there? Do you, Have you heard of trans-ableism? It's attracting attention these days. You're going to say you're here about all these trans things. Uh, trans speciesism. Right? Uh, I think I'm a dog today uh, or I'm a cat. Did you hear this, Paul? I, I, mean, I haven't been able to verify this, but it's been told to me by a number of people. That in the local school district in, in Ocean County, in a local school, a girl identified as a cat. And the school put a uh, a kitty litter box in the bathroom. My daughter told me about that. You heard yeah. about that, right? I did, yes. Yeah, I think it was Central Regional High School. Amazing. Is that not insane or is that just normal? We have to accept it. <laughs> the world has gone mad, right? The world has gone mad. All right, what is trans-ableism? Trans-ableism is a newer, newer term for BIID, which is Body Integrity Identity Disorder in which a person actually identifies as handicapped. 
Um, BIID has been relabeled transableism to align with today's trans community, according to some. So this is a psychiatric condition, BIID. And now by changing the term to transableism, uh, now it's not so much uh, a mental condition, but just uh, related almost to gender ideology. Uh, and, and now doctors will be able to treat, quote unquote, treat these people by amputating healthy limbs, snipping spinal cords, or destroying eyesight. So a doctor now is going to be able to say, doctor, I want to be paralyzed from the waist down so I could be in a wheelchair the rest of my life. Could you snip my spinal cord? Is there any doctor out there that would do that? Isn't the Hippocratic Oath say, do no harm? Uh, If you don't think the world has gone mad, or that evil has been unleashed from the gates of hell, uh, you don't need to know any anything else than this. And some of these people mutilate themselves. Others ask surgeons for an amputation or a transection of their spinal cord. Um, these people are obviously mentally ill. Some people have blinded themselves. Um, so they could be blind. In one case, this woman, 53 years old, a senior credit analyst in Oslo, Norway, identified as disabled and uses a wheelchair even though she has no physical handicap. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Hmm. How about this person? Oh, this is the same person. Uh, she's also transgender. So she was on a morning news program, Good Morning Norway. And she said she had a lifelong wish to have been born a woman paralyzed from the waist down. It's a guy. You know, so she's a guy that identifies as a woman that also wishes that they were paralyzed from the waist down. Where does this come from? In an even more shocking case, if you could think of that, a 21-year-old North Carolina woman who identified as blind actually took steps to destroy her own eyesight. One Arizona internist called today's transableism a delusional disorder. Thank you. Um, Unbelievable. You can't make this stuff up. Um, well, if doctors could rip apart a baby that's eight months old out of the womb of a mother, I guess they can cut off somebody's arm that wants it off. Now, what's the difference if you do it a day before they're born or you do it when they're 15 or 30? I don't know. Uh, what other craziness do we have here for you? Um, <laughs> yeah. You see this woman, uh, Weingarten. She's the head of the American Teachers Federation. She's the head of the Teachers Union. 
that was pressuring the CDC on rules for opening schools. Uh, she didn't want to open the schools. She wanted the teachers just to stay home. And uh, she was in front of Congress, um, and she lied to Congress. She says that um, that she wanted to open the schools. She was trying to keep them closed. Listen to this. Uh, I'm sorry, Congressman Raskin. I'm just, we spent every day from February on trying to get schools open. We knew that remote education was not a substitute for opening schools, but we also knew that people had to be safe. And maybe it's because I live in New York City. I live near a hospital. Every other minute there was an ambulance. There was terror. Our members were terrified. Others were terrified. And what we were simply looking for was clear scientific guidance. And when we couldn't get it, we did it ourselves. And we worked with doctors and we worked with others. And we just tried to get it out there. Okay, now you're So she wanted to open the schools. Meanwhile, it was just the opposite. She did everything she could um, to keep the schools closed. And now they try to come back. You're just like Fauci. You know, no, no, I was not responsible for the lockdowns. Again, they just lie to you. They tell you the opposite. Uh, she goes on. Now, Jim Jordan's questioning her uh, about who cares more about the children. Is it the teachers union or is it the parents? Right. I, I think the chairman, um, who cares more, Ms. Weingarten? Who cares more about a child's education, the teachers union or the child's parents? I would say that um, Mr. Jordan or Representative Jordan... Teachers, parents and teachers care about kids. Obviously, parents care about their own kids more than probably anyone else. But teachers and parents are real partners in children's education. Okay, that's fine. So, so you would say, but I ask you, who cares more? You would say parents. Oh, parents, parents care. Look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not here to be in a competition Parents are so important in children's lives. No kidding. Teachers are so important in children's I lives, agree. too. Why did you, uh, you repost and praise the op-ed that was in the Washington Post? Uh, parents claim they have the right to shape their kids' school curriculum. They don't. Um, you posted they, that, and you said this was a great piece that we should that people should read. Head of the, Teachers Union praises op-ed claiming parents don't have a right to shape their kids' curriculum. you really believe that? The, um, the headline of that op-ed was not appropriate compared to the actual work in that op-ed. The work in that op-ed talked about, if you actually read you that op-ed... With that, you disagree with the headline then? No, I disagreed with the headline. The work in that okay. op-ed talked about how um, parents and teachers have to have a role so sh- in kids' education. So should the headline have read, parents claim ha- they have a right to shape their kids' school curriculum. They do? Should that have been what the headline said? I don't... Uh, you know... Mr. Well, let me ask you straightforward. Just let me ask straightforward. Do parents have a right to shape their kids' curriculum? Parents have a right to have a role in their kids' curriculum, yes. Who are the extremist politicians? You did 25 pages of your written testimony. You had 14 pages. Your law firm had, I think, the other uh, 11. And right at the end of the main body of your written testimony before you get into the issue today about the consultation you guys had with the CDC. You say in this last paragraph, 
Uh, attacks by extremist politicians have undermined teachers in schools. Well, who, are the, think, who are the extremist politicians? I think you just heard one, sir. So Ms. Green's one of them? I think... Look, okay, that's, that's what I you think. think. When, I think the issue is the culture wars that are going on in schools right now, banning books, undermining teachers. How about this statement? I don't think parents should be telling schools what to teach. Just told me a few minutes ago you didn't agree with that sentiment. Is that a statement from that's a statement from a politician? Is that extremist? I believe that parents have to have a role in kids' education. And in fact, when I was teaching at Clara Barton High School, we had parent engagement all the time. Who said this? I would bring if you you want me to finish, I'll finish. I, like so many other teachers, used to do I was a high school social she hasn't been a teacher in 36 years. She doesn't have a child, um, but she's the head of the teachers' union. This woman is as left-wing nut as there is. Uh, and, uh, you know, she she's in charge of your children, basically. Um, it's pretty pretty amazing. Uh, when asked uh, if she had a ch- child, she has a child uh, through marriage. Her wife has a child, of course. Uh, another nut, uh, head of the Department of Energy, uh, this woman, Jennifer Granholm, uh, wants to ban oil and everything else like that. Uh, she wants to all U.S. military vehicles to be electric by 2030. Imagine that. Uh, we don't want the best vehicles that will work in battle, just as long as they're uh, climate neutral. Uh, this is how insane these people are. The wokeness is amazing. Yeah, okay, in the middle of the desert, we're going to find a a Tesla uh, station so we could plug in our tank. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. And even Bill Maher, um, he's found religion. He realizes now that this woke thing is stupid. He's talking to Elon Musk the other day. Listen to this. Um, So it's, uh, and and it's, the thing about censorship is that for for those who would advocate it, just remember, at some point, that will be turned on you. So, this uh, woke mind virus, how did it start? Was it bats? Was it a <laughs> escape from a lab? I mean, what is your assessment of what? Because it's fairly recent. Why did, why, how did it start and why? I was... Uh, so I was trying to figure out where where it's coming from. I think it's actually been a long time brewing um, in that it's, uh, I think it's been going on for a while. Um, it, 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 and um, the, the amount of indoctrination that, that's happening in schools and, and universities is, I think, far beyond what parents realize. Um, and I, I, only, I sort of came to realize this some, some, somewhat late. Um, the, the, the experience that we had uh, in, in high school and college is not the experience that, that kids today are having um, and, and hasn't been for, I don't know, ten, 10 years, maybe 20 years. So uh, are parents themselves also a big part of the problem? Yeah, I, we don't have enough time to run the entire uh, two-and-a-half-minute interview that I had here. But uh, he goes down at schools, comes down to the schools, and what's happening in your grade school, what's happening in your high school, what's happening in your universities. Uh, It's left-wing indoctrination. 
The world has gone mad. Insanity has been normalized. And we report it each and every week here on The Financial Physician, so don't miss it. If you missed any of the program, just go to thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, Ten minutes after the program's over, we'll have the entire podcast of the show there. Uh, that's thefinancialphysician.com. Love your emails, Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. You want to come in for a no-obligation, complimentary financial consultation, 732-905-8100 is my office number. Remember, I'm not far right. I'm just right so far. Have a great week.